Welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. We're here to bring you helpful information from leading experts and give you effective tools and support. I'm Jason Grigla, a licensed counselor and founder of Techie for Life, a specialized mentoring program for neurodiverse young adults. And I'm Debbie Grigla, a certified life coach. And maybe most importantly, we're also parents to our own atypical young adults. Hello, friends. Welcome. We have a treat for you. We have invited two of our graduate students, students that graduate our program in Techie for Life, and who are adulting and doing really well in life. And we brought them on today to kind of share some of their experiences and insights and things they've learned. And I think you're going to really enjoy hearing from these two. We've got Amber, who's 27, and she's working full-time for a stationery and wallpaper online company. And she's using some of her graphic design skills. She's a, a very talented graphic designer. And she currently is in a relationship. She has a boyfriend. And in her free time, she enjoys watching movies and gaming and riding her scooter around town. And then we have... And you live in your own apartment right now. Is that right, Amber? You have roommates? Yeah, that's right. You have roommates? Uh, no, your own... I'm just in my own little studio right now. Nice. Is that is that nice to be alone or do you wish you had people around more? I like it. Uh, okay. It's not a, it's not the right fit for everybody, but I like it. Okay. Good enough. So welcome, Amber. And then we have Reed, who's 26, and he is a software engineer at an electronic record keeping company. And he has a girlfriend that he's been with for about a year, a year and a half, and he enjoys gaming in his free time. So welcome to the show, Reed and Amber. Thank you. So we, we wanted you guys to come on because it seems like for a lot of the students that we work with or young adults, there's a, a period of crises and then there's a dark tunnel and then there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And then it almost seems like you come out of the dark tunnel. And from what I can tell, you guys are enjoying life. And I don't know, would you both agree with that, that you're kind of out of the dark tunnel and things are better? I think, I think so for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd definitely say so, for sure. All right, so our topic for today is we want to just talk about some of your experiences um, with being neurodiverse. And do, now I just want to ask, do, you, do either of you have a diagnosis and a, a formal one? I'm diagnosed with ADD, um, but outside of that, I haven't been evaluated. So there's a lot of unknowns. Were you diagnosed either with anxiety or depression as well or anything else? Yes, both of them. Both of those. Okay. Yeah. All right. How about you, Reed? Uh, yeah, I was uh, diagnosed with ADHD when I was in my early teens. Um, and then um, depression as well when I was in my late teens. Mm -hmm. Do you think for you guys that those were related? Mm, I don't know. That's hard to say for me. Um, I was, I, I, I was doing like, I was doing a lot of different stuff when I was, when I was like 19 and 20. So, um, like, I, I don't know, I definitely could have, um, for sure, but I, I can't say for sure. So like, yeah, we'll talk more about that, but if ADHD caused you issues in school or in relationships that could have made it harder for you. But, yeah. How about definitely. you? Um, so it's interesting. I actually wasn't diagnosed with ADD until later in my teens up in high school, but I know I had a lot of problems focusing, staying on track, getting assignments done, 
before then, I was just one of the quieter students. So it didn't really draw as much attention. But um, yeah, I, I think it definitely had a part of it. So the, the neurodiversity umbrella, it covers anything from autism to ADHD to dyslexia, nonverbal learning disorder, anything that is that is a scenario where your brain is physiologically different and changes how you interact with the world or see the world or experience life. Um, and it's totally different than mental health, um, but a lot of neurodiversity can bring along with it the anxiety and the depression for sure um, because of the differences between you and maybe the reg- rest of the world. And I guess I'm wondering if you remember how it felt. Did you feel different? Did you feel like you're out of place? Um, how were you different if you were or atypical? Uh, I, I personally, um, like I, I never really felt that until, until like I was told that my brain works different, you know, like I was kind of like given this idea that, that, Hey, you have ADHD, so your brain works different. So you need to like work harder in school and you need to like do all these things differently from everybody else. And like, I, I didn't, I never really necessarily like thought that, um, my brain worked any different from anybody else's until I was kind of like told that was finding that out helpful or, uh, I, I mean, it was kind of like, it, it wasn't really, it was kind of like a whatever kind of thing to me. Um, I mean, I, I guess I was young, so I didn't really like fully grasp what that like means. Um, uh, like understanding is part of the battle. So, um, do you, do you agree now with that diagnosis or is that doesn't really yeah. matter? Yeah, I mean, I I'd definitely say ADHD is like like you definitely think differently and like have certain things that like you do much differently than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Amber? Did you feel different with than than your peers? Did you re- did you experience life differently? Was it different for you? Uh, a little bit. Um, as far as ADD went, um, you know, not knowing if I had it or if it was or not. Um, a lot of times I felt like I was just lazy or I wasn't trying hard enough. I don't know, kind of beat myself up quite a bit back then. <laughs> but um, even outside of that, I know I have a very active Im- imagination. I love playing pretend, I think, a little bit longer than a lot of the other elementary school kids like to. Um, by third, fourth grade, they were done with it. And I was just like, oh, you guys sure? <laughs> you know, but um yeah, I felt like I was a little bit on the outside of the group. Most of you, had a, you had a big imagination helping you cope or you just liked it. Uh, did you use the imagination as like a coping skill then or was it was it an escape mechanism or just naturally who you were and you were loving life and creativity was a part of it? <sighs> Either or both. I'm not really sure. How about you, Reed? Did you feel like you needed to escape or or have any coping mechanisms? Um, uh, I, I mean, I, I played a lot of video games growing up, um, and that was something that I just like kind of naturally gravitated towards. And, um, so did my brother, he, me and him would, would play video games a lot, um, together growing up. Um, so I, I don't know that that could be a coping mechanism, mechanism, but, um, was it out of balance or was it, was it balanced? Do you think? Oh yeah, I was definitely out of balance. I would, I would play until like three in the morning every, every day. (laughs) I remember you telling a story once about how many hours you had on a video game. What was that one? <laughs> yeah, I have like I have like uh, ten thousand hours or something like that on Counter Strike. <laughs> <laughs> and, and all the all the other students at TFL were like, 
whoa awesome <laughs> and all the mentors were like oh no <laughs> funny. so what do you remember struggling with growing up yeah what was hard for you guys um besides school work uh, school work was definitely hard like i felt like i tested well but assignments getting them done not hyper-focusing on getting it done perfectly. That was kind of a weakness for me. Uh, outside of that, it, after elementary school, it got kind of harder to make friends. Um, I don't know. I feel like I got lucky, though. My high school was a uh, private charter school that focused on um, performing arts, visual arts, things like that. And so, I, I don't know. I feel like I got to meet a lot of like-minded people there. So it wasn't as bad then. So did you mention, did you just say you're, you were a little perfectionistic? Oh yeah. <laughs> Black and white, that was something. Did that go into other areas of your life as well? Besides schoolwork? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know. I have a hard time com- finishing things, <laughs> um, finishing a lot of different things. And if I can't get it just right, then I, kind of burn out or I feel like I'm not good enough to keep going and I exhaust myself to the point where I don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Now fast forward just so that I don't lose this track. You work at a place where you have projects where you create cards and other um, personalized ordered projects. Do you have the same issue now or is that gone? Um, I still have a slight tendency now to kind of hyper-focused on just getting it just right. But I've been able to catch myself more now that I've kind of found more balance with things. Uh, I can move through things, get them done a little better. I'm still a little slower than some of my other team members, but at least I feel like I'm thorough. <laughs> yeah. Thorough is the upside of perfectionism, isn't it? Yeah. Detail oriented. Mm-hmm. How about you, Reed? What was hard for you growing up or later in your teenage years even? Yeah, um, I definitely say school um, was was definitely like challenging for me. Like I never um, I, I never really liked doing school like I liked going to school and like getting getting out of the house and everything and like seeing all my friends and whatnot. But like doing the doing the work um, like some sometimes I would just like forget to do an assignment or like I would have I would have papers from the entire year just building up in my backpack and my backpack would weigh like 70 pounds by the end of the year. Um, yeah. Your, mom, your mom's like, just turn in the assignments. <laughs> Seriously. Um, uh, I, I'd say like, <clears throat> I'd say like also building friend, uh, like friendly relationships. Um, when I got like older was, was a bit of a challenge as well. I mean, I had friends growing up, um, and, uh, like some, I some friends like I, I had for years, and uh, other friends were just like, you know, one one grade in high school, and then we'd stop being friends. Um, but like when I kind of got out of high school, like I, I felt um, I felt like it was pretty hard to to like make my own friends, and like one day I just kind of realized like most of my friends are online. Hmm. So there's there's two sections there I kind of want to follow up on. The first was. Um, struggling in school, there's usually a few typical reasons for that. One is you're just not very bright. The second would be you're lazy. 
And the third would be you're overwhelmed. Which of those three do you think maybe you fit in the best? Uh, for me, probably, um, probably like two and three. I, I was never really like, I never really wanted to do school, um, in the first place. And like, I mean, growing up, like I did all the, the kid things that I, every kid does. Um, and, uh, and yeah, like, I, I mean, I, I wasn't like the greatest student I'd say I'm, I'm smart, but, um, I wasn't like a great student. How about you, Amber? Do you think you're smart, but struggled with school for other reasons or? Yeah. Um, uh, I feel like I was able to retain information easy enough. I've tested well, but uh, I'd get bored with it. I'd get distracted. I'd want to do other stuff. I just couldn't stay on task. Didn't want to do it. It's a little bit of lazy, a little bit of overwhelmed, I think. Well, I think that's a part of ADD or ADHD is intense focus. If they're, if you're interested in it, you can do it for hours and hours and hours, like video games Absolutely. or whatever else you're doing. But if it's not interesting, it's nearly impossible to stay on task. Um, yeah. And and then parents and teachers are like, well, you did that for two hours and sat there focused. Why can't you dot, dot, dot. So I, I know you both, and I think you're both actually above average in IQ. But for me, what I saw was the anxiety and the, the executive functioning parts of your brain being able to manage schooling is totally different than, you know, learning the actual stuff. And so I guess my, my second part that I wanted to follow up on was, was school for you. It wasn't built for your type of brain. And I guess I wonder what, what would you tell the school systems to change or do differently because you are smart and you can learn, but it wasn't, it wasn't very effective for you in their, in their program in the way they set up school, what would you have liked? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. I mean, I mean, one thing about that is like, if, if I could, if I could tell my high school to do things differently, they probably wouldn't, um, which is, <laughs> they had the power to, that's what, well, yeah, but I'm saying like most high schools, like probably like they, they, they wouldn't, they're, they're not like there to cater to the people like public schools. They're not really there to cater to their students. They're there to like have a curriculum and, and do certain things, which, which I, I didn't like at all. I would have, I would have rather had like things that are more hands-on um, and stuff like that. And um, like actually seeing, seeing things like play out um, and like using things um, like equations or whatnot in math. Like I, I would have rather used those in like the real world to, to figure things out. To see why there's a purpose for learning it. Is right. No purpose. Why do I even want to learn this? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's actually a good technique for teachers that they could do is, yeah, you're learning this technique or this principle, but here's why it's important. Right. That'd be a cool teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess along with that, busy work. I hated busy work. It just got to be where it was repetitive. It was grinding. I didn't feel like I was learning anything new from it. And that was where my grades would suffer a lot. With ADHD, if there's not an effective, efficient classroom that moves you from one subject to the next when you're ready, that's going to be a killer. So maybe a more individualized approach like okay yeah you nailed that i'm not going to make you stay 
with the rest of the class. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. No. I actually, yeah, I can relate when I was with our boys, helping them with homework and yeah, hours trying to get <laughs> to, to write his spelling words three times each, but he already knew them. Oh. <laughs> and it just, so finally it was like, all right, I'm going to give you a t- spelling test. And then he would do it. Okay. I'm going to give you another spelling test. And I would do it three times. <laughs> and then he would do it. But, well, that's how you got his homework done. That's how we got the homework done. Wow. But I, yeah, I, I feel for you is watching. <laughs> Whereas me as a kid, it'd be like, all right, get crank it out and get it done. Turn it, you know, I'd jump do it and focus in and make it happen. Cause all right, if I have to do, it, I have to do it. But I, I could just see the torture of my son. <laughs> <laughs> what? Write this three times. All right. So I want to ask what, if you could go back to yourself, like if you could travel in time and go back and talk to yourself when you were struggling at different times, what advice would you have for yourself knowing what you know now? Oh man, <laughs> that's the question. Assuming that you could actually speak to them and they couldn't see you and you could really creep them out and freak them out, what would you say? Because that would be fun. You have a lot of fun with that. Um, I'd say, I'd say, like, have perseverance um, and like, like, have a bit more self control um, with the things that you do. Um, Yeah, that's that's probably probably the two two best things. Stick it out. Yeah. Uh, I probably tell myself, you know, it gets better. You'll get better at this. And good enough is good enough. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to get everything just perfect. Just do what you can, and that's fine. With our perfectionist type students, we we just cram it down their throats that C's get degrees, baby. C's get degrees. <laughs> just turn in the paper. We calculated your grade. You're going to get an A, even if you get a 42% on the final. So just get a 50%. (laughs) And that is a really hard concept, but a good. Yeah. Or my other favorite one, just get a sentence down. You can always change it later. Doesn't have to be perfect. You know, when they spend 45 minutes staring at the blank page, (laughs) trying to eat the whole writing assignment at once. And yeah. And so when you were struggling, what, what were the things outside of you, external supports or helps that really made a difference um, so that people who want to support the, the ones that they work with or the, their loved ones and their family that are neurodiverse or ADHD, what, what would you say these were the things that were really helpful that kind of got me through the hard times? Um, I think the biggest one for me was honestly my dad. Um. I don't know. He's just always been very empathetic, very good listener. Uh, he, he'd push me to try and help me do better and stuff. And, you know, sometimes that was a little, little, a little bit of tough love, but you know, he, a lot of times he'd, you know, sit down there with me while I'm trying to get through my math assignment and he wouldn't even have to walk me through much of it. Just having him right there would kind of help encourage me a little bit. I love yeah. that. I think there's really something to that, like having someone with you in it when you're struggling. Right. Just loving you and being there and they don't necessarily have to fix it or yeah. <laughs> being there is, is a big deal. It sounds like you knew you were okay with your dad, that I was okay as a person. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
um, he was open about a lot of his own struggles. And I felt like that helped me be a little more open with him. Uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely say my parents, um, as well. Um, pretty, pretty recently, like in the past two years, um, my, my brother has been a huge help. And honestly, like I, I could name every single mentor at TFL, um, as, as being helpful as well. They were, they were like always there to like, to like talk to you if you like needed something or, or anything like they were, they were, they were just like genuine, great people. Definitely. I'll second that. (laughs) Well, thank you. What were some of their characteristics or qualities that you found really helped? We have a lot of people listening to these podcasts that are mentors or teachers and they want to be a good influence. Uh, Well, for, for me, like, you know, you know, going to, and, and I'm in therapy right now and I didn't say my therapist, but which I, I mean, I like my therapist, but um, with, and, and I don't doubt that he cares, but with the people at TFL, like you could tell that they were there to help you and they were, they were there to like care about what you were feeling or thinking or doing. And they genuinely wanted you to succeed. Definitely. I don't know. I, I think it always stands out to me when somebody is is listening to hear you and understand you versus listening to try and find a response. Right. For sure. It's interesting. It, we we don't do a lot of therapy at our school. We can we can have therapy. They they we offer it. Um but I guess if I'm wondering if you guys felt like a, a mentor that's there more often is more helpful than a therapist that you can talk to your you can talk about your problems, but it's only on, you know, Wednesdays at two. What, what do you guys think about that? The difference between a mentor and a therapist? Um, I think mentors are great for helping get you out of your head and help you get stuff done. <laughs> um, they're help. They're great at helping me, I guess, apply what I already know or what I need to remember. Yeah, I, I definitely second that too. Like, um, uh, there was there there had been like countless times where like Cam who who doesn't know anything about coding would like sit there and like, help me with coding, you know. And it's like it's like you don't have to be here, dude, to help me with this. Like, I know you have better things to do, but that's the point. Like you're here to help me, you know. Yeah, and I, I, when I look back on my life and I think about those who are mentors, they're the ones that made a difference. And they happen to be a teacher or a coach or a neighbor. Um, but it's the relationship and how they approached wanting to help me become better and genuinely walk with me, not behind me, like a coach telling me to get moving or, or out ahead of me, like a teacher saying, you got to do all these things. But, um, mentoring is really a special partnership. Um, those are the people that I, I remember with a lot of appreciation and fondness as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's, um, it's the same thing with parents and parenting when you're in that more of a, I'm here for you in that loving kind, you know, encouraging space versus like discipline and hard and the power struggle, the power struggle yeah. and anger. Yeah. All, all the best parents are mentors, but not all parents are mentors. Or even just our best parenting moments. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. What do you love about, your neurodiversity it's not all bad <laughs> um for for me when i when i like sit there and like get in the zone um i i could definitely 
do like a really, really good job on whatever it is that I'm working on. Um, and I, I know that for a fact about like myself. Yeah, I remember you were just stuck for a long time. And one day you just made this switch. You're like, I'm sick of being stuck. I'm just going to start coding. And you yeah. did in your mm-hmm. free time, in class time. And you worked your butt off and you graduated very quickly from TFL. Yeah. You just decided to get going. And that, that obsessive focus can be, you know, a good or bad, right? Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think about that focus. And for me, it goes a lot into my hobbies and things that I just, a lot of stuff that I like doing with my free time. I feel like I'm able to enjoy certain aspects of more mundane things. Like, um, I remember I went on this, um, so for my biology class, they had this, a science lab you could go out to Catalina Island and stuff they teach you about all the wildlife there all the rocks and all the whole, whole bunch of different stuff there right and I, I remember at the end of one day one girl came up to me and says you all you've been doing is just walking along the beach beach combing and you look like you're having the time of your life like, I don't get it, but yeah I don't know I feel like I can have a lot more fun just with seemingly boring stuff if it's something I'm interested in. Yeah, I love watching your passion for discovery. And there's nothing small about that. Beachcombing isn't boring. It's like this whole possible world. <laughs> what could I find, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that helps me understand when Lee would go off on the, the beach and just <laughs> going. And you're like, where's he going? <laughs> yep. What's he doing? Oh, he's got a <laughs> imagination alive and and i think discovering i think what we call normies people who are a little more typical this you know the the more average we look at someone who has that ability to focus and it's actually a, a little quirky and we don't get it as well and so we might treat you differently see you differently see it as a problem or weakness because it's different um did you used to feel different when you were younger or did you always just feel like you and you were normal? And then how do you feel now? Do you still feel on the outside or what's it like from then till now? I'd say like, no, I, I never felt like different. Um, uh, like my, my friend, the, the friends that I picked um, were like pretty good to me uh, growing up. So like, I mean, I, I never really, I never really like felt singled out um, in any way. Um but I mean, I guess it's all about like your surroundings and like who you surround yourself with. So could have definitely turned out much different for sure. Um, I'd say starting out, I definitely felt I, I well, not starting out, I felt all right. But then as I started growing up, I felt more out of place and started wondering, you know, if there's something wrong with me, why am I so weird? But I don't know what, what I've learned through TFL and all the th- all the things I've learned throughout the last several years. I don't know. I feel like I'm doing all right with life. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing the best that I can. And there's a lot of other people that I don't even realize are probably going through similar struggles that I am. There's a lot of, I don't know. There's a lot of oddballs like me just out, out there that are able to do whatever they're doing. I don't feel so out of place anymore. When I think about where I've seen you guys be in the past and where you are now I, it just makes me smile because you guys really seem 
happy. I know life isn't perfect. I'm sure there's still struggles, but man, so much, so much of a difference that four years can make. Yeah. Um, and it sure just makes me happy. Makes me smile. I know when we're having a rough day at TFL and I, I don't know when I think about students like you that are like making it and doing well and succeeding and where you were and where you're at now. And that it just, anyway, it always encourages me. And I, I just have to like, remember that and keep the big picture in mind. <laughs> it's, it's part of the deal, the ups and downs and us all figuring out where we fit in the world and how we're going to contribute. And, and I don't think you have to be neurodiverse to have, empathy. I think we all go through our, our struggles. Like you said, Amber, I, I just really appreciate you sharing specifically what yours have been kind of like and what your journey's like. So thank you for that. Yeah. We really appreciate you both coming on. Thank you. I think there's a lot of young people out there that if they'll listen to this, they're going to be encouraged. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> Any last advice for someone who's been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD? And find the strengths in it and rock it. <laughs> no, it's it's not all weakness. There's some stuff that can really help you out with it if you learn how to channel it, right? I agree. I, I'd also say, like, on top of that, go go to the gym. Like, it helps, it helps <laughs> so much. It, it really does. Like, I, I stopped working out um, when I got out of TFL, and I started back up recently, and I have felt so much better. Um, just like in, in my job about myself about about everything like waking up in the morning i feel better um i have more energy like it really does it really does help like a tremendous amount nice uh, yeah I, I love that you bring that up because self-care i mean it takes some effort mm -hmm. but it, it's worth it right like you get the yeah. benefits of of self-care we all do and i think especially when like distractibility and all, you know, things with your brain, you get the good endorphins and things happening. Right. Well, I mean, like, especially with, with ADD and ADHD, like your brain doesn't make as much dopamine as other, other brains. So like going to the gym and like getting a good workout, like helps you boost those levels. Yeah. I think it's important to realize that. Well, thank you so much. And um, that's what we have for you today. Or um, hope you enjoyed hearing from Amber and Reed, and um, we want everyone to have a great week. Take care. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com.